Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. The Reds can't score, Alisson is the best keeper in the world, and we're up for the cup. We're going to be talking about all that and more on today's show. And once again, I'm joined by James. How are you doing, James? Hello. Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Good, good. And my name is Luke. So, unsurprisingly, we're starting with this weekend's nil-nil draw with Manchester United. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this one a little bit hard to judge, really, because I guess in isolation, it doesn't seem too bad a result but in the context of our recent form it does kind of seem like more points dropped and with the front three not really performing again it means Liverpool are now on the worst scoring run for 15 years so the last time was 2005 so does that mean we're going to win the Champions League again? Hopefully (laughs) if that's the only we've got to go with then I'll take it But yeah, I, I know what you mean. The first 20, 25 minutes was really positive. Starts off really bright. You know, Shakiri was on the ball, trying to make things happen. Um, and United did, I think, what a lot of us expected them to do. Just sit back, try and soak up the pressure and try and hit us on the counter-attack. I think the draw, you wanted to took it at, before the game, you would have said, you know, obviously three points is, is the least we expect today. But the more the game went on, they started to have a few more chances. The Pogba chance... Uh, at the end and they just started to look a little bit more dangerous United towards the end of the game so I think on watching it back a point is not the worst result in the world but beforehand you know you wouldn't have took anything less than three points Yeah I think it's all in the context as well as those last four fixtures as I mentioned obviously the two draws against West Brom and Newcastle and the defeat to Southampton that coupled with this makes this result you know seem worse in the context of how we're playing at the moment and like I say, I think that's like a really good assessment, particularly first off, we dominated the ball. Shakira and Thiago looked really lively, really creative. But then when it's getting to the front three, they just, I'm not sure what's going on really at the moment. They just can't seem to hit the target or can't seem to get the ball out of their feet quick enough. I mean, all the chances in the first half, all the chances of note really fell to Firmino, didn't they? And he's had a little bit of stick this season, particularly towards the start of the season about him not scoring. And that's kind of seemed to have reared its head again a little bit. Yeah, I think because usually the big chances for us tend to fall to Mane and Salah in the games. Yeah. But then because those two were so quiet and the big chances were falling to Firmino, you sort of started to notice how wasteful he actually is in front of goal. He's, really he, yeah, he really is. I mean, the first first chance he had, he should have played it to Robertson. We were all running down the left. He was in acres of space and he goes for it himself and it goes 15 yards wide. So... It, it, it did really show just how wasteful he is in front of goal. And obviously, as we've discussed, the front three aren't clicking for whatever reason. We're not sure. For me, I think it might be a little bit of a knock-on effect of the centre-back situation. Obviously, you'd think that seems odd to say because it's the opposite end of the pitch. But in this game, again, like we did against Southampton, we went with Fabinho and, and Henderson as your two centre-backs. Those two are obviously in your best mid midfield when everyone's fully fit. So taking them out kind of changes the system a little bit. It takes two guys who are used to playing in that kind of 4-3-3 system, who dictate the tempo, who kind of are driving the, the attack forwards and putting them in a completely different area of the pitch, putting them kind of, you know, 20 yards further back. Do you think that's a fair assessment of where something might be going wrong in the attacking sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good assessment. I think because you've got Henderson and Fabinho playing at centre-back, 
the fullbacks aren't bombing on as much as they used to do as well because they've got to cover two midfielders playing at centre back. Yeah. Um, and I don't think either Henderson or Fabinho are blessed with pace. So it was Van Dijk and Gomez were really, really quick centre halves. So yeah. it takes them a matter of seconds to to catch up with someone. I think Van Dijk, when we played Wolves, could catch up with Adama Traore. He was <laughs> the fastest player yeah. in the league last season. So I think having those two at centre half means that Trent and Andrew Robertson, when they're going forward, just sort of doubting themselves going forward, thinking if I push another 10 yards further forward, you know, we've got no defenders back then. Yes, <laughs> literally exactly. just midfielders. So I, I, I do, I think having those two play where they are, it's just making everyone's a bit more cautious. And I think the caution, everyone is, a bit of doubt is creeping into the mind. If we give the ball away here, because we haven't got Van Dyke, we haven't got Gomez, we're more, you know, susceptible to a counter-attack. So I think they're just, yeah, a little bit of doubt is creeping into everyone's mind at the moment. And obviously, normally, ordinarily, you'd have Fabinho as almost like the shield to that defence in that number six position. And then you'd have Henderson and, and you know, Vijnaldum or whoever it might be alongside him. So they're obviously having to get to grips with the centre-back position themselves. Fabinho has obviously done it flawlessly. He's played there most of the season. But the, the whole defence was, you know, overall pretty good, as they have been, really, since Van Dijk got injured. Henderson can step into almost any role. He's been, you know, he's a bit like Milner in that sense. He'll play anywhere. He's very industrial and very functional. As a, as a footballer but I just think we really do miss Henderson when he's not in midfield I said it last week and I've said it plenty of times before he dictates that tempo he's got that leadership ability he kind of is organizing all the time and I think that is one of the factors as well as, as well as them being just a little bit out of form with what's going on with Salah Mane and, and Firmino because there's far too much quality in there for it to be more than just a blip surely yeah, I think we spoke about it on the last week's podcast where we said, you know, Fabinho was is the last wall before it gets to the defence. So that's why, especially in the first season he came in and last season where the teams would hit us on the counter-attack and he'd break it up before it even gets to the defence. So that's why we were keeping so many clean sheets and that's why we were looking so good defensively. But going to your Henderson point is... I always think it's hard for a defender or a goalkeeper to be a captain because yeah. it's very hard to be vocal all over the pitch. Yeah. It's Henderson can stand in the middle of the park and he's got his midfield to shout at, he's got front three to shout at, and then he's got the back four to turn around and have a go at. Yeah. But because he's playing 60 yards behind the strikers now, yeah. he's, it, he's just finding it hard to sort of have that motivational role um, around the rest of the team. And, I think he he, break, he broke up quite a few counter attacks as well yeah, on Sunday. He, he he looked really good at centre back. Doesn't yeah. mean I want him to be the full time. <laughs> um, but it it just goes to show how valuable he is to the squad and, yeah. and to the starting eleven. It's it's just irreplaceable at the moment. And I think when you take him out of the team, as we've seen, you know historically, our results when Henderson is not in that midfield to when he is in that midfield obviously a lot uh, they're a lot worse I think there was a bit of a spell towards the end of last season where he got an injury against Brighton when the league had yeah had been wrapped up already but the form kind of dropped off a little bit maybe you can expect that with the intensity of the way that Liverpool played over the last two years or so but there are plenty of other examples where he's missed a game through injury or for whatever reason rotation and the midfield hasn't quite clicked yeah, you notice it more obviously being a Liverpool fan because you're watching week in week out and FIFA neutral fans he doesn't get the credit it deserves from yeah. 
Everton fans, United fans, City fans, Chelsea and Arsenal, etc. Because they just see him as a gets the ball, knocks it on. But he's not that kind of player. He's he's, he's so much more than that. He's the motivator. He's the machine in the middle of the park. And he's he's always up for it. It doesn't matter who you're playing. He's always, you see the tension building as as he's walking onto the pitch at the beginning of every game. So taking him out, it's it's just a shame for that midfield. It's just a massive miss. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, it's not all. It wasn't all negative. There was one particular Spanish-looking bright spark in in the Thiago uh, <laughs> Alcantara again. Uh, he's strangely, I don't know if you if you've seen James. He seems to have came for a little bit of stick on uh, from some pundits. Say John Barnes and Dietmar Hamann particularly saying that maybe he slows the game down too much. But that wasn't my take on things. Really, I thought he was probably the best player in a Liverpool shirt. Yeah, I've read that this morning and uh, I couldn't really believe that, saying that he's not playing the Liverpool way. He's slowing the game down more yeah. than any other player in the midfield, which, I mean, it just goes to show why they're not really on TV that much <laughs> um, <laughs> for, for their expertise. I think he just oozed class on, on Sunday. The way he just went past Fred twice, yeah. Fred took two swipes at him and just and then... It was just that little final ball he tried to play to. I think it was to Wijnaldum. And then they're just not yeah. on the same wavelength and the ball goes out for a goal kick. And then he has the best chance the second half where he has that shot from the edge of the box that De Gea saves. But I thought he was sublime, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, maybe on Sunday. We know how much quality he's got. We've seen that over the years for Barcelona and for Bayern Munich. So it's a little bit perplexing seeing those kind of comments today um one thing that i did think though is perhaps tweaking his his um position slightly might actually help the front three get back into goal scoring form we had a piece on the website about this this week as well obviously shakiri and genie were kind of a little bit more advanced to tiago on on sunday particularly shakiri obviously because that's his natural position but i'm just wondering if bringing hopefully bringing henderson back into the midfield would allow tiago to kind of go a little bit more advanced and we know the kind of vision and creativity he's got those nice little balls into feet on the edge of the box and out wide and stuff I'm wondering if that might be a way of kind of getting them back into gear yeah you saw it a few times on Sunday where he's flicking balls around the corner um, to players who are available again he was playing passes that nobody else could see on the pitch yeah um, I just think the best chance we'll get to see that is when Gomez, when not Gomez, Matip is back fit, which is hopefully he plays on, on, on <laughs> against Burnley. Um, and then we maybe see Nat Phillips alongside Matip, and then we'll see Fabinho and Henderson go back into the midfield yeah. and then see Thiago play that advanced role, is, is what, you're, what you're saying. Is that what you do against Burnley? Would you put both, if all being well that Matip is fit again, fingers crossed, would you put Matip and Phillips straight back in and then I, move yeah. both of them in? Yeah, I would put them both. I would put Nat Phillips and Matip back into the starting eleven because Burnley is a physical, physical team, physical yeah. team, and that stadium turf more. It's in the middle of nowhere, so the weather we've got at the moment, the wind and the rain, yeah. it's not good. It's not going to help. That it's honest. It's like Stoke. It is one of the worst grounds to be at, especially yeah. at this time of year. So I think you're, they've got Chris Wood, Ashley Barnes, and then from set pieces, the likes of Ben Mee. Tarkovsky, I think you've got to you've got to play with those two at centre back, and then, like I said, you see Fabinho and, and Henderson go back into midfield, and then see Thiago playing in that creative midfield role. And 
Yeah. I mean, if, if he's not going to be able to get the front three scored, I don't think there's no. much hope for, <laughs> for them. Just had a quick check and the game's at Anfield on, on Thursday. But oh, is it on Anfield? North, north of England. Uh, <laughs> the weather's probably not going to be that, that much better there anyway. And particularly when, like you say, Chris Wood, Ashley Barnes, they're big fellas, aren't they? Big kind of strikers. So Nat Phillips is probably more um, accustomed to that than, for example, Reese Williams would be. Yeah, I think Reese Williams is still trying to find his feet in the Premier League. I, I mean, to be fair, he's, he's, when he's come in, he's played okay. You know, yeah. The Tottenham game was probably his best game. But then, like, you know, the, Hudders, the uh, West Brom game, Callum Grant, who was signed from Huddersfield, just nicks the ball away from him and his pace just wasn't up to scratch. A little bit exposed, yeah. Yeah, I just think he maybe He's at that age where I just think he needs a bit more experience and just to grow into a stature of a Premier League centre-half a little bit more before yeah. we start throwing him into games against Burnley. There was a there was a moment against Villa, uh, Villa's kids were obviously for their goal. Um, yeah. Bar- at Barry did something, got away from a little bit as well. So yeah, I think Phillips, particularly for a game against Burnley, Phillips uh, is a much more suitable. One man, another guy who showed his class for Liverpool on the weekend was obviously Alisson in goal. He doesn't always get opportunities to be star of the show over the last kind of two years or so, simply because Liverpool have been so dominant we all know how good he is as Liverpool fans but with the attackers not doing it he's probably showing his more his worth more now than he ever has done since joining the club yeah I think that save from Pogba uh, I know the guys in the commentary uh, Gary Neville and Martin Tyler said the ball went straight at him but he still hits it with some power Pogba from seven yards out so for Alisson to get his body behind the ball and to make the save and it was the the ball that went over the top for Rashford as well when he was offside and yeah. Alisson didn't know he was offside still came out of his box yeah. hit really the ball right. in the air yeah. and then just played it to, to, to Trent <laughs> so he's, he's saved us a lot more than what I thought he was you know look at the Napoli game where he makes the save from Milik yeah. That's um, yeah so it, it's just glad to have him back because if that was Adrian in goal <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not there. <laughs> yeah, without uh, bashing on Adrian too much, the, the, the difference in quality is quite stark, isn't it? Um, there's loads of examples over the years as well. You think of that, the 4-0 Barcelona game in the first half, Alisson made one or two, three or four in fact, really good saves from likes of Messi, Coutinho uh, in that match as well. One man who does look a little bit out of sorts to me, and I think a couple of other observers, is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Don't really want to single him out in particular because I think that five or six of them realistically looked a little bit out of sorts on the weekend and over the course of the last three or four games. His crossing is normally excellent. We know that. We've seen that over the last few years. But on Sunday, he seemed they seemed very imprecise. He gave away the ball, obviously, 38 times in that Southampton game, that, that stat that was being um, sent around a fair bit before that. It seems like every time he's receiving the ball, rather than playing on instinct, he's maybe overthinking things, taking two or three touches more than he usually would. Is that something we need to be concerned about or is it just the way the team is at the moment and, it, you know, quality will out, you know, outwin the day in the end? I think maybe a bit of a rest for him. Yeah. Would probably doing the world of good. I think, I mean, looking at the last couple of examples where Liverpool have been chasing a result, they've been drawing, you've got the Newcastle game the uh, Southampton game, the, the Fulham game, and United again. We've had corners in the last couple of minutes of the game. 
and that's where Trent should be at his strongest is whipping a good quality ball in and giving the chance the team the best chance to score a goal. Yeah. We're going short. It's going short all the yeah. time. And his crosses aren't beating the first man. Or if they're beating the first man, they're beating the final man at the back post as well. Yeah. So I don't know what it is with him. Like as we mentioned it last week on the podcast that Klopp has said he's had COVID. So whether that's taking it out of him, obviously there's long-term effects from that. But something's got to change for him because the drop-off in form from him as well as the front three, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. And when you look at the, the left-hand side of the pitch and what Robertson's doing, arguably you'd say Robertson's the, probably, for me, being our best player this season alongside Fabinho. Those two, you know, splitting hairs over who's done better, really. But Robertson's gone from, you know... <clears throat> Him and Trent have obviously always been massive threats, but you'd probably say Trent had the edge over the last year or two in terms of assists and pure stats and the eye test of actually watching the games as well. This season, Robertson's really blown out of the water a little bit. Yeah, I think at some points this season, Trent must be looking over to that left-hand side thinking, how's he he still performing at this level and I'm at this level that I'm at? Because all last season and... The, the, the plaudits were deserved for Trent because he was setting assist records from right back. Awesome. Do you know what I mean? Of, of all of all areas on the pitch, you know, Gary Neville has said uh, that he's completely just the right back's a completely new position now. He's reinvented yeah. it. Yeah. And then Robertson was sort of overlooked last season as, and I think some people started to criticise him wrongly last season for being poor in a few games, but this season he's just been. Exceptional. Yeah, him, Henderson, and like you said, Fabinho have just been unbelievable so far this season. Just consistently-wise, they're always 7 out of 10s every game, which the rest of the team are putting 4s and 5s up. So, Yeah, and Robertson's played so much football because obviously you brought in Costas from Olympiacos as a bit of kind of competition slash support for, for Robbo, but he's obviously had injuries. So Robertson's had to probably play a lot more games than Klopp would have would have liked. And he seems to not be, you know, whether he's playing three games a week or whatever it might be, his consistency and performance level, work ethic, mentality, all of those things that you need are at an all-time high. Yeah, I th- it's because there's nobody else. He has to play. <laughs> yeah. Be- be- because, like you said, Kostas has been out with the, the injury. He's only played. I think his last game might have been Lincoln in the league. Yeah, I think he might have played against Midgetland in the in the Champions League, uh, but it's only one one or two games. Yeah, so the only other option to play at left back is James Milner. Yeah. So you're not going to get him bombing up and down mm-hmm. the left hand side. I mean, he had that good season under Klopp three years ago, where he played left back for the full season. But yeah, before Robertson because, came in, was it? Yeah, it's because Moreno was the only other option. Yeah. So that's why <laughs> Milner played there, and then. So yeah, because Robertson's played so much, so many games this season, the only other option would be to play James Milner, because Robertson had to go and play in the Euros as well. Yeah, the European qualifiers, you know, where they qualified for the first time since '98, I think it was. Yeah. So he's played international games as well, whereas not everyone in the Liverpool squad has. Henderson's missed a few international games, and Salah's missed a few. Trent. Robertson seems to be playing every single game for club and country at the moment. Yeah, you just have to hope that it doesn't, you know, come back to bite us in a few months with like burnout or whatever. But 
you wouldn't expect it to with with Robertson. He's got quite an engine on him, hasn't he? So yeah, just have to hope it's continues. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there'll be any problems for him, but like you said, it's just fingers crossed, really. Yeah. So we move on to Burnley next uh, at home. This is really now a must-win, isn't it? If you think what's happened in the last four games, this is the definition of a must-win game. Yeah, if if Sunday was a must-win, then this Thursday is definitely a must-win, I think. Especially with City winning on Sunday night and winning with such ease. Tottenham yeah. won again on Sunday. There's a lot of teams around us now who are one point behind us, two points behind us, but with games in hand now, um, yeah. which is the worrying thing. City have got one game in hand on us. Um, Everton have got two games in hand over us. United are still three points clear of us even after Sunday. So this is definitely a must-win game now. And selection-wise, we've obviously discussed centre-back with in agreement that we should definitely have Matip and Phillips in there. Should Matip be available? In terms of the rest of the team, Shakiri looked quite good in Man- against Manchester United on Sunday, particularly the first half. I thought he tied a little bit second half. That's what we expected with the little bit of football he's played. Would you be inclined to bring him into maybe the front three and give one of them a rest? Or if not, Shakiri, maybe Minamino or someone like that uh, over uh, Bobby or Mane or Salah? Or do you think they need to play themselves out of this? Uh, I was going to say play Minamino instead of Firmino. Um, yeah. I think... Like we spoke before, he's just so wasteful in front of goal. And I think Minamino's the closest you're going to get to him for his work rate off the ball. Um, and Joe, in his last start against Crystal Palace, Minamino actually played well. Yeah, he, got his first, yeah, he got his first Premier League goal. He played okay. Um, so being at home, I know I said we were away before, but we're not, we're at home. Um, I think obviously that will that would be a big difference for him because we're going to have more most of the ball. We're going to dictate possession, dictate the pace of the game. So I'd give Shakiri another start in the midfield um, if Matip isn't fit. This is all yeah. big ifs to whether he's fit. If he's not fit, then I can see Klopp playing the exact same team that played against United, yeah. but then maybe just tweaking the front three. But I'd just take Firmino out and put Minamino in. Yeah, and obviously we've talked about Burnley's kind of obvious threats. I guess it's going to be set pieces, uh, second balls, the usual kind of stuff. So they're going to have to be right at it in terms of their mentality and focus, which you don't want to say this might sound a bit harsh, but I feel like particularly, maybe not the Man United game, it's such a big game, but I would say the West Brom game where we won nil up at half time and then we didn't really kill the game. And Newcastle game, the 0-0, they almost looked... I don't know if it was a bit of complacency, but they almost looked like their attitude wasn't right, which is something you would never really level at a clock team. Yeah, and I know what you mean. It's it's coming to a point where they're almost going into games now thinking it's just a write-off. So I yeah. don't know if, if the players have got this mentality. I don't think it's come from Klopp. I don't think he's sort of no, saying to them, right, you can yeah. take your foot off the gas now, lads. You've beaten these exact same teams for the last three years. It's just going to be the same again. I think it's just some players maybe, you know, winning the European Cup, winning the Premier League, winning the Cup, Winners Cup and the Super Cup that they've just started to think, oh, you know, we're Liverpool, we can sort of roll teams over without... Because we're starting to drift into games and drift out of games where just needless passes sideways, backwards. Whereas a year ago, two years ago, 
we were always looking for that killer ball all the time, but now yeah. it just looks like they're just trying not to lose possession yeah. rather than trying to do something with it. I don't know if that's something to do with the injuries. Like they've obviously seen two of their colleagues, friends, teammates, whatever you want to call it, suffer horrendous injuries when you think what happened to Van Dyke at Goodison Park and obviously Gomez's injury happened on international duty, didn't it? So I don't know if that that's kind of hit them mentally a bit, maybe even subconsciously, if they not if not consciously, and they're just kind of a bit wary. But it's it's very, very strange. It's hard to put your finger on it. Normally if a player's playing badly, it's quite obvious, okay, personnel change or freshen it up a bit. But when it's so many of them and when it is almost seems like it's an issue with the system because of the amount of injuries. I feel like it's a lot harder to kind of get yourselves out of it when it's not such an easy thing to identify. Yeah, I agree. I think it was the Scott McTominay tackle on Thiago in the yeah. first half on Sunday. And you just felt nervous watching Thiago hold his knee whilst he went down because you thought, no, he's only just yeah. come back. He can't get injured again. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think there is that. I think there is a sense of going into tackles, not at full force or not driving the ball as you used to because the, the squad has taken a, a beat in this season. It's, yeah. you know, Jot has only just had his knee brace taken off. So he's only just coming back. There's just, I don't know what it is. I, I, I do think it is the subconscious, as you said, they just don't want to get injured. Yeah. Yeah, well, we just have to cross our fingers. Prediction-wise, what are you going for with this one? I think, personally, I think we will get the win on Thursday. I think it's just going to take, well, this is what I hope and think. I just hope <laughs> think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, you know, one to go in off someone's arse or a deflection or a scrappy, sloppy goal almost just to get the confidence back. Right, we, you know, we've been there before. We're Liverpool. We're the champions. Yeah, Let's this get is going good. again. This is the perfect game to, to get four or five goals and then to yeah. just get that confidence boost going. But the longer it goes on, the more it's the, just the more nervous everyone's yeah. going to be. And especially the last thing the players are going to want to be is nil nil or just one nil up and then Burnley get a corner in the 85th minute. And then yeah. it needs to be convincing. I feel like it needs to be comfortable. It doesn't, we don't want a nervy one nil or a two one. Like obviously, at this present moment, when you've not won any in four, you, you, it's, it's about the result more than the performance. But it would be nice if it was, you know, a three 0 win and the front three will score one each, for example. <laughs> yeah, I think if we if we win one nil, like you said, or two one, I'm not going to come away with it thinking, "Oh, Joe, well, we played well there." Yeah, you're going to come away thinking that's Burnley at home. So it could, yeah. The only reason you're thinking it now is because the standards that have been set by the club since yeah. Klopp has come in, to be beating a team like Burnley 2-1 at home, it's not it's not a cause for celebration. And if it happens, Klopp will come out at full-time as he normally does as, as a scrappy win and says there's a lot of things in the game that he didn't like. There's a lot of things that needed changing. Yeah. And it's that, that statistic is like the, the, the worrying one, isn't it? That the worst goal-scoring run for 15 years when you consider how this is probably the best team we've had for <laughs> 30 years. So it is, uh, obviously, I think it, we will just take some goal to go in, however that may be, and then, fingers crossed, the quality will shine through again. Yeah, I totally agree. So 
we have two games this week because as well as the Burnley game on Thursday, we also head to Old Trafford on Sunday for another game against Manchester United, <laughs> this time in the FA Cup. Obviously, we've not won the Cup since 2006, largely since Klopp's been here. I'd say, I think it's a fair statement to say he's not taken the two domestic trophies too seriously. He's obviously prioritised the league and the European Cup, and we thank him for that because he's given us some fantastic memories because of that. But given our current form at the moment and you know the opposition we're playing on Sunday, Manchester United, do you think we should take this competition a bit more seriously this year, have a bit of a cup run, if we can? No, I think Klopp will play a completely different team to what played yeah. against us uh, on Sunday. I think the last thing you'll want to start doing is get to, getting to the end of the season where you've got cup finals and you've got games getting rearranged to midweek fixtures because you've got to play the FA Cup on the weekend. I just think that's the last thing he'll want at the moment is just, like you say, to try and go deep into a competition that he's not really been, like you said, bothered about it since he's come in. He's yeah. almost just sort of chucked it away. I think yeah. the only, I think we got to the League Cup final the first year Klopp was in yeah. charge. We lost to City on penalties. But since then, I think... This is the third or the joint furthest we've been in the FA Cup since Klopp's come in. And yeah. that's only by winning the first <laughs> first game yeah. of, the, of the third round. So Yeah. I think obviously last season when you we had that great game against Everton where we won 1-0 and Curtis Jones scored that fantastic goal. But you even look at the team selection in that game, that was a Merseyside derby. And it was we won one nil. So and it's a it's a great thing to brag about against the Blues because they played effectively their best team. <laughs> and, and Liverpool, I think other than Milner played, but the rest we had Nat Phillips played. But uh, Nat Phillips came back from his loan from Stuttgart. Yes, we yeah. caught it cut we cut it short just for that game. <laughs> and then once he played that game, he went, he went back again. to Stuttgart <laughs> until the end of the season. So but obviously you had yeah, Harvey Elliott played, Curtis Jones, uh, Nico Williams. Minamino um, made his debut. Yeah, I think uh, Larucci played, the Algerian left-back, uh, the youngster. Um, Chiravella played and Lalana. Yeah, so... Yeah, if you're going to play... That was a Mersey like derby, so. Yeah, Yeah, I get what you mean. But from a fan's perspective, like, obviously, we kind of know Klopp's view on, on the cup. I think the round we went out last year against Chelsea as well was a similarly youngish team with some of those um, names featuring, like, Lalana and Jones, etc., but from a fan's perspective, would you like us to take it a bit more seriously? Because it is a trophy in the cabinet at the end of the season. And it's, you know, the FA Cup is prestigious in its own way. Yeah, I think what's what's happened to the the prestige of the world of the FA Cup is just it's just amazes Vic. You know, the 2001 FA Cup final against Arsenal, we had the whole family round and yeah. made a day of the FA Cup final, 2006 <laughs> final, we went to the pub and watched it in there. But now the FA Cup final, you just, no one's bothered about it anymore. Um, so I would like us to take it seriously if we weren't on the run of form that we're currently in. Yeah. If we were in the state we were last season where we were 15 points clear yeah. and we then weren't perhaps. going for that first Premier League title under Klopp, I could turn around and say, go for it. But I just think with Champions League and the Premier League being the club's biggest priorities, because yeah. they bring all the, the competition money in to the club. I, yeah. That's why I, I just don't think they'll take it seriously. And I guess that's the main reason, without going too off topic, in terms of the FA Cup losing its magic almost, is largely because of the financial 
kind of um, incentives that the Premier League and the Champions League bring for those five or six clubs at the top, which means, and also the difference in quality, like the gap it from the elite five or six in the Premier League seems to be ever increasing from the rest of the football pyramid. So it means that a team like Liverpool, when you know when we played Shrewsbury last season, we could play kids and win one nil in the replay. And we've seen other, you know, the other likes of United, City, Arsenal do similar against other lower league opposition and win quite easily because they've got all the wealth. So I think the financial incentives of the other competitions obviously can't be matched by the FA Cup, um, which is a little, little sad, really. Yeah, I, I'd like to win it and I'd like to knock United out on the road to winning it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that would make it you know, even more sweet. But I just... Like I said, the runner formed run at the moment, especially you know these last four games. I just don't think it's worth taking the risk to try and go deep into a competition that even the, the owners don't seem to prioritize it. You know, yeah. they've they've it's not like they've pulled Klopp into a meeting and said, Listen, the FA Cup is a must this season, we must go yeah. far into this FA Cup. Even the owners don't seem to take it seriously either. So what kind of team do you think we'll be seeing? So obviously against Villa, Villa Kids. And we get five subs in the FA Cup as well. He did go fairly strong. He started both Salah and Mane, I think, if I'm right in saying that. And I think Firmino and Thiago came on. So there was quite a big element of first-team um, players there. So I imagine it would be Kelleher in goal and probably rest in the fullbacks. But beyond that, what do you think? I think he'll go Kelleher in goal. I think it'll be Nico Williams at right back. Um, and then I think he'll go... If, if Matip doesn't play Thursday, I think he might give him some minutes in the FA Cup game yeah. just to try and get him up to match fitness. Yeah. Um, and then probably Reese Williams will play centre-back with him. Left-back, Kostas if he's fit. Which, or Milner. Milner will probably yeah. play there. And then... I, I guess Oxlade-Chamberlain might get some minutes. Origi, Tats, um, Minamino. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd even say Thanks. Naby, but... He wasn't even in training over the weekend, so I yeah, he might not make could it. be much fit. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, and you know, I guess it's one of those where if we win, we can have the bragging rights, and if we lose, we can say it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I just uh, just don't want to lose to them. That's 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 all. Yeah, win this and then lose to I don't know Chorley in the next round or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, thanks for your time again, James. That's the end of this week's show, but obviously there's plenty of content still to look out for across all our platforms. Keep an eye on our website, anfieldcentral.com, and on our Twitter, at Anfield underscore central, where there's lots going on, so keep an eye on that. We'll be back next week. So all that's left to say is thanks for your time, James, and we'll see you next week. No problem. See you next week. <laughs>